You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How the hell are you? <laughs> mm. I'm doing good, Shane. We got a ton of to cover here so let's just jump right into it and i hate to do this to you shane but we're going to start here with the game that they started at damn 9 30 at night for some damn reason alabama beats tennessee 35 to 13 and the biggest story from this one shane obviously the injury status to tua tungaloa brian mauer both knocked out of this game uh there was some controversy with the officials Obviously, you think? obviously they did a poor job. Uh, I know you're going to cover that, so I'm I'm just going to kind of gloss over that. But uh, you know, my main takeaway from this one, Shane, obviously the score is a little, it looks a little lopsided, but you know, I really thought Tennessee matched Alabama's physicality for much of this game. Uh, this was the most success that I can remember a Tennessee team having on the ground against Alabama. Uh, and in years past, particularly against Alabama, Shane, like the Vols got down early, they gave up a touchdown, then they throw an interception, and you think, okay, oh God, this is the Vols, it's it's just going <laughs> to snowball. And what happens? They they fight, they keep fighting, they intercept Tua, uh, they they make it a game here, Shane. And uh, I know it's kind of hard to judge this game because both the quarterbacks went out, uh, but not to say I was disappointed at Alabama because they played a good game, but I think. Once again, Tennessee loses to a you know a really elite team here, but I kind of come away impressed with the Volunteers, even in defeat. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, man. I'll tell you what, these guys have got some damn fight in them. I'm very proud of Tennessee. I am, and you know, I don't. I want to take my Tennessee glasses off for a second. I, I'm a little worried about Alabama. The drop off from Tua to Jones is significant. These playmakers on the outside you know, didn't become really a factor the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm a little worried because this is a serious injury, you know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, I think they're optimistic that they're going to have them back in a week, but I don't think so, man. I mean, this is a significant high angle sprain. I I mean, you see it in the pros. This is a multiple week deal. You saw it last year with Tua. It's something he struggled with. So, yeah, I'm a little worried, especially with the LSU game looming right around the corner, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so Alabama came out there on Sunday, confirmed the injury, high ankle sprain like you said there. They've already performed the surgery on them. They did it Sunday morning. It was a tight rope procedure, and ironically enough, Shane, this is the exact procedure Tua had last year after the SEC championship game. And this is a three- to four-week recovery. There's a lot of speculation that Tua can get out on the field, and, you know, he's telling his teammates he's going to be there. He's going to be ready for LSU. That's in 20 days. So that's mm-hmm. that's right there, the three-fourth weeks. I honestly, I have no doubt that Tua will play in that game at this point, unless, you know, barring an unfortunate setback. It's not, to me, the fact that will they have him or not. I think they will. But to me, I think he's going to be limited. He's not going to be running I, don't, I think even in the college football playoff we saw last year when he had, you know, several weeks more, he was not uh, – I, I did not think he's at 100%. I don't think he's going to be against LSU. All right, Mike. Now I'm putting them big orange glasses back on for a second, <laughs> all right, because it's hard enough to beat the number one team in the nation, but it's even harder to do when it feels like you ain't getting a fair shake. And I'm going to tell you, man – I don't like to blame refs. I really don't. I don't like getting caught up in this. But, I mean, officiating took a big L yesterday, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just this game. There was other games. I, I, I feel like that officiating, you know, really changed the outcome of the game. You know, there's there's just a couple of things in this one that really stands out. If you watch that unnecessary roughness on the quarterback, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a total bullshit penalty. You know, I, I can get how – it can be an illusion uh, how everything went down, but there's an angle from the side. You see, there was no push off on this kid. Um, yeah, there was a, that. That was a third down. That was a huge one for us. Um, the the one Morris. They they claimed that he had the holding penalty there at the end zone mm-hmm. on the replay. You clearly do not see a holding. Uh, then the the official or the initial or the the announcers are like, well, maybe they meant the running back. Yeah, I mean it's easy. <laughs> To get Wanya and and the running back mixed up, you know, I can see that. And then you got, and then you get down there, and there's like some holding penalties. I mean, that one was a big one. But uh, when they came out, and uh, Juwan Jennings is that quarterback, and then they stop the game, Mike. They don't throw a flag. They stop the game, and then they crank it back up, and then we get a five yard penalty. It's like, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? It's hard. Not to feel like this game wasn't rigged just a little bit. And I know it's not. I mean, I know these guys aren't making money off this thing. And, and I don't want to s- start that trend, you know. But but there was, a, there was a lot of things that happened that night that really, I mean, it had to be a perfect game for Tennessee to be in it. Mm-hmm. And, and we couldn't do it because some of these stupid penalties that we saw. Not to mention, uh, I mean, I, I've, been, I've been hard on Garantano for for a while now. And then and then I said, you know what? He's just a kid. He's trying to do his best. You know, he's trying to he's 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 given his all for Tennessee. But I'm gonna tell you, man, the kid does not have it. He doesn't need to be on the field. You know what I'm saying? That that quarterback sneak and, and that was – you could see Trey Smith pulling. That was not supposed to be a quarterback sneak. And he blew the game, man. It was a 14-point swing, and we keep giving this kid opportunities. He's afraid to throw the ball down the field, and I'm tired. I'm tired of defending him, Mike. I can't do it anymore. I'm over it. Yeah, I, I honestly – I think this probably – this may be the very last time we see Garantano, and that's even with Brian Maurer's status up in the air, I think – 
moving forward, we're probably going to see JT Shrout, maybe even see some Juwan Jennings go the Lim Bowden route. So I think that's kind of what they have to do at this point because Garantano's, you know, I think he, I think he is trying his hardest, but he seems to be doing more, you know, to hurt the team than to help them. And you just can't, you can't work around that. Like you said, Shane, 13 penalties on the balls, eight on Alabama. This was a lot of penalties in this one. I do agree the penalties played a factor in this game, uh, but the biggest factor in the outcome to me, Tennessee, four trips into the red zone. Obviously, the you know debacle of the fumble that was returned. That was the that was the one time Tennessee didn't score in the red zone. But uh, of the three times they did score in the tut in the red zone. Two of them were just field goals when they had it uh, within striking distance there. That was kind of the difference in the game. Uh, but, uh, you know. What, what about Judy? What about the Judy thing? I mean, that one blew my mind. It was like they stopped it to see if he was in the end zone. There was no flag on the field. Mm-hmm. There was no targeting. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, what do we got here? You know, let's throw this kid out of the game, you know, because now that we've slowed it down to – you know, 10 seconds a frame, you know, we can say, you know what, there is targeting. Let's, let's go ahead and eject that fella. So if you slow enough of these plays down, you're going to find targeting just about on every play. So I thought that was stupid, but I will say this, Alabama uber talented. I mean, they got a lot of weapons on that field. I am a little worried about the quarterback, but I am, I don't know. I don't want to say not worried, but it felt like they kind of found a running game, mm-hmm. something that they haven't been able to do in the past. And, and Tennessee was playing some great defense. So, I mean, you got to feel good about that. But they have got to uh, they've got to get this backup situation under control because there's a good opportunity that one of these guys are going to be playing LSU when it comes. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to discredit Arkansas or anything like that. I'm just saying there was some positive things for Alabama during this game. Um, and it's, and with Tennessee, the, these guys didn't back down. I, I really liked that. I mean, honestly, they, it didn't feel like they were scared of Alabama like they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys like Trey and Juan, yeah, I tell you, if I could take two guys down dark alley with me, it's those two fellas <laughs> right there because they fought to the very end. So that's what I like to see with a young team like this. They may not be the most talented at this moment, uh, but they had some fight in them and this was a great game back and forth. Uh, you got your money's worth. We had the lights going on. I mean, it was it was a it was a hell of a ball game. And those guys smoking them cigars, I had to put mine up. You know that that kind of hurt. But that's where we're at right now, Mike. Uh, well, last thing I got on Alabama, Shane. I'm glad you hit on the running game. Najee Harris, another big performance. He went for 105, two touchdowns. Brian Robinson had another 40 and a touchdown. And Alabama's obviously going to have to lean on the running game with two a sideline. For the next couple of weeks, obviously they got the bye week coming up, so it may only be the one game, but uh, it seems like that's getting going for Alabama. That's huge moving forward. Uh, so let's kick it over to Nick Saban talking about uh, Mac Jones. Uh, you know, Nick Saban, I think he was damn grumpy. It was late. I think that was part of it. Uh, he talked. Uh, he touched on Mac Jones on all the penalties in this damn game, and then uh, someone tried to comment on the fact that uh, Alabama's you know, freshman linebackers playing a little bit better, and Saban was not having that shit. So we took him out, and Mac had to go in. So, I mean, you don't really have time to give him a pep talk or anything. You know, I think when you're a backup player, you got to be ready to go in. That's why everybody's got to prepare well during the week and, and be focused on what they have to do to go in and be able to execute. And, you know, we'll try to get, you know, Mac 
doing the things that he can do well. And we got a lot of good players on offense and try to feature what they can do uh, to help them. You mentioned the one goal line stand, but I was curious what else you saw out of your red zone defense. Tennessee gave you some help with some penalties, but uh, what, what did you see out of your execution in the red zone? Yeah, well, we gave them some help too. So we had a couple pass interferences on third down that you know, probably wouldn't have been balls that they would have caught. Uh, so we gave them some help too. Um, obviously, the big penalty was the rough on the passer that kept a drive going, and we all went down and went up to 28. So. Look, I didn't see it. I was watching the coverage and the routes and all that, so I can't comment on the call at all. Um, there were a lot of penalties in the game. It's something that we've really been emphasizing with our players, um, but we didn't have a lot of undisciplined penalties in this game. We just got to do a better job of playing the ball so that we don't get pass interference penalties on third down. You know, they kill you. Shane Lee has had uh, two good games in a row. I was wondering if you could comment on his performances recently and just the linebackers as a whole being so young and how they've played uh, as of recent. So you say he did have two good games in a row? Good. Then that's, that's your evaluation, so that's good. How do you know he had two good games in a row? Who said that? Who told you that? All right, Shane. I think old. I don't think Nick Saban, like I said, has been up. Uh, you know, past this hour. This was this press conference happened at about midnight, thirty minutes after midnight on on Sunday morning. Uh, he was in rare form here, wasn't he? Yeah, he is not happy, man. And he hates those damn lights. I'm letting you know right now. <laughs> Saban says, you flicker those lights one more time, I'm going to come up there in the box and whoop somebody's ass. He is not a fan of them. He wants all 12 o'clock games from here on out. And let's flip it over to the other side, Shane. We don't have a ton of audio here from Pruitt, but I just kind of thought this was the key moment, obviously, of the game. Jerry Garantano, the fumble here. Jeremy Pruitt, he's pissed about it. Well, it wasn't wasn't deflating. It pissed me off. I don't know about you, but it pissed me off, okay, because we just put a great drive together, okay, and really ran the ball at will down through there. Um, You know, I would like to have seen us get the ball in there and see what we could have done. You know, there's lots of things that that didn't go our way in the game. Um, Some of it we controlled. Some of it we didn't. So um, we'll watch the tape. We'll learn from it and go from there. All right, Shane, I think I can't tell who's matter. You were Dan Pruitt here. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, one final thing here on Pruitt I thought was hilarious. I don't know if you caught this, but going into the locker room for halftime, Coach Pruitt was asked about uh, how his team was playing at halftime, asked about the second half. Did you, did you see what he said? Uh-uh. He said, well, we'll have to see how the refs want to call this one. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, <sighs> I'm done, Mike. I'm- it's just so bad. Like, I, I don't think these refs rig the games. I certainly don't. But I think Mm-mm. what we're seeing here week in, week out, a lot of poor officiating around the league. We're going to get to some more of it here uh, at the South Carolina-Florida game. But what it does to me is it highlights the fact that uh, they really need to hire some full-time qualified referees, kind of improve the product. And it's it's not for the sake of Tennessee. It's for all 14 teams. It's uh, the product overall. They, they just need to kind of really work on that, I think. That's what I hate, man. You watch one game, and it's like they're letting them play. And then you watch another game, and it's like every little mistake is just highlighted. And 
and it, you don't like choppy games. I mean, this is this is contact sport, man. There's gonna be there's gonna be fouls, but if you slow the game down to looking at replays and things like that, I mean, it just it takes away from the game. So I I I was just not a fan of the whole officiating crew at all Saturday, man. All right, Shane, let's kick it over to I what I thought was the biggest shocker of Saturday in the SEC. Five and one Missouri goes to one and five Vanderbilt, and the Commodores come away with a big win here, Shane. Twenty-one to fourteen. And this was even stranger considering the fact Vanderbilt started some guy named Mo Hassan at quarterback. I honestly had no idea this guy was like even in the running to get snaps. If you know there was two injuries at quarterback for Vanderbilt, he comes out. You know he wasn't gangbusters, but he did enough. He moved the ball. He was efficient. Um, and man, Shane, this this result was just shocking to me. Keyshawn Vaughn, he really took this game over. He got going. Missouri, you know, every time I looked down, Shane, it was third and long. It was and Missouri was. Three for 15 on third downs, and it was because half the time it was third and eight, third and 10, third and 11. I mean, it was just time and time and time again. And I got to ask you, Shane, everything was set up for Missouri this year. I know they had the sanctions and the postseason ban and all that. We still don't have a resolution on that. But how should Missouri fans be feeling given the fact that, you know, everything's building towards this season? It looked like Missouri was, yes, they had the huge hiccup against Wyoming, but. I, you know, I'm not saying we should get rid of this guy, but you just can't drop these games. These are embarrassing, and, and they've, they've played two road games. They got embarrassed in both of them this year, Shane. So I don't know. What's your read on this? And uh, I certainly don't think Barry Odom's a, a terrible coach. And games like this prove he's not a great coach. He's kind of he's kind of still in the middle there. But uh, I just don't – I've just had a loss here for how Missouri loses a game like this. Man, for starters, this was such an ugly game. You know, and, and it's easy to blame weather on some of these games, but not this one. It was just ugly, period. And Kelly couldn't get anything going. They couldn't get anything going with the running game. Even Vanderbilt, I mean, they won the thing, but it wasn't like there was stellar performance there. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn, he almost got 100 yards, but he did also carry it almost 30 times. So mm-hmm. this was just one of those – I don't know, like Missouri was just not prepared, not fired up. You know, I I just, this one really, this one really caught me off guard. I I thought, I thought the fact that Missouri was finally ranked, that they were getting a little bit of respect that, uh, you know, everybody was even talking about them being number one in the East Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, just felt like the hype was picking up for Mizzou. And then, to come out and just lay a dud like this, I mean, it felt like Wyoming all over again. So I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know where to go from here uh, because Kelly can't do it all, but it really felt like he was the only offense Saturday. Mm-hmm. And even he was forcing the ball. He threw a bad interception in the red zone. That was a killer for a team that didn't have much going. And there was a mm-hmm. point where Mo Hassan, he got – it was kind of a cheap shot, I thought, Shane. He was sliding, and he got uh, targeted, got hit in the head, got knocked out. They bring in Riley Neal first play. He throws an interception, almost picked six. I was like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess that's going to wake up Missouri. But not, not even that won them the day uh, Riley Neal had to come in and finish the game for uh, Mo Hassan. 
But, uh, man, just an ugly performance. And Albert O got hurt in this game. If anyone saw it, it was one of the nastiest hits I saw. But, thankfully, it looked yeah, like yeah. Uh, he w- he actually went back into the game, I believe, at one point. So, he's not, you know, out for the year or anything, thank God. But, it, I mean, it looked terrible. It looked, uh, it looked like it scared him. And it just was kind of an epitome of the day where – it just seemed like Vanderbilt wanted it more, and they were more aggressive, more physical, and and it was just a sh- it was like a shock to the system. Everything that happened to Missouri, for sure, man. I mean, these teams combined for a six for twenty seven <laughs> on third down. I mean, it was such an ugly game. I couldn't I couldn't watch it anymore, man. Well, let's kick it. I had I had money on it too, <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I gotta watch this because I got some money on this game, and I was just like, Mizzou, do something, you know, but. Kudos to Vandy coming out ahead. I mean, that's a that's a big-time win for Vanderbilt. Let's kick it over to Barry Odom, Shane, on being uh, out-coached, out-played. And if he saw this one coming this week, he says he, he didn't. You know, obviously disappointed with that performance. I feel like um, you look at four quarters of play, I think we got out-coached, and I think we got out-executed uh, the entire – you know the, the the entire four quarters, and we could not run the ball, which is frustrating to me that that we couldn't, and we didn't convert near enough on our third downs to give ourselves a chance. And then defensively, you know, felt like we were close, we just couldn't get off the field. And um, you know, also you look at 120 yards of penalties. Um, we won't beat anybody when we do that. So we've got to take a hard, long look at that. And obviously, I know there were a number of them that I recall off the top of my head that were in crucial moments. But also, um, you know, we, we've got a decision to make on how we're going to respond, what we'll do. And we've got to go on the road again next week uh, to play a really good Kentucky team. So we'll find out about the toughness and the resolve on how we bounce back. Uh, but again, you know, credit to uh, Derek. He had a really good game plan, and his kids played hard and executed. Is this one of those games where you could maybe see coming during the week, just a flat performance? I, I sure didn't. No, and that, that's maybe even more frustrating because I felt like we had great practices. I felt like we were ready to go. Um, and, you know, we, we pregame felt right. And um, you know, they, we obviously didn't bring it. Uh, for, for winning football in a lot of areas, we, we weren't close. All right, Shay, so Barry Odom, you know, got no answers here. He admits they were outcoached, admits they were outplayed, said they had a solid week of practice leading up to it, did not see this result coming. But, uh, man, I just uh, I, don't, I just do not know where Missouri goes from here. I know they, they still got the Georgia game and the Florida game, but I don't know. They've got some soul searching to do here this week. Oh, for sure. Now, are, is Mizzou – I can't remember. Is, it, is Mizzou 0-2 on – Road games? Yes, yeah, so they. This is their only two, yeah. and they're winning at home. They're getting. They're losing these embarrassing games on the road. This is actually their first SEC loss. So you know it doesn't eliminate them from anything, but uh, once again, their margin for error in the in the division is gone. Mm-mm-mm. And and I mean, all heading up into this game, Shane, we were just talking about, you know, is Derek Mason going to make it? Is he going to survive the season? And then here they they <laughs> beat the first place team. That's I mean, that's SEC football, man. Just when you think you've got it figured out, Mason comes away with a victory. <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> South Carolina upsets Georgia. You just never know, man. It's any given Saturday. Well, let's kick it over to uh, Derek Mason here finally after the game. Man, this guy was fired up. He's been hearing about uh, how terrible his team is 
for all, all damn season. He was uh, really enjoying this one. But you've answered questions about your job security all week long, and this team comes out and upsets a ranked Missouri team. What are you feeling right now? Well, first of all, you know, honor to God. You know, it's been, a, it's been a rough patch, man, but I told my team this, and I want everybody to understand this, okay? A lot of people want this job, so they think, but I'm the man that's built for this job. Every day, man, we grind. We grind. Don't question us. Don't question who we are, what we do, or how we play. We're Vanderbilt men. Commodores anchoring. Damn! All right, Shane, Coach Mason, I couldn't even damn understand him there at the end. He was so fired up. But uh, it's just great to see. And uh, you, you root for guys like this because, you know, the sta- the, the, de- the the deck is stacked against Vanderbilt. And, uh, man, getting a win at home against a ranked team, that's a hell of a win. This game felt personal to him, man. You know, I mean, last few Saturdays, every time they talked to Mason, it was like, do you not even know what's going on with your team, with your locker room, you know? And it felt like he had all these boys fired up, and it was just showing the leader right there, man, just fired up on the sideline. That that reporter was scared to death, man. <laughs> it was awesome. So uh, that's a good look, man. You love your you love your coach showing that much emotion. We saw a lot of emotion from some of these coaches Saturday. Well, I'll show you one we didn't see much emotion from Shane. Let's jump on down to Fayetteville, where Auburn beat Arkansas fifty-one to ten. This was about unacceptable. This is about the only damn thing I had right all day, Shane. I said it'd be fifty-two to ten, so I was a point off there. But man, this thing opened with a Ben Hicks strip sack, and it was just one of those oh no moments. You knew, you knew yeah. it was downhill from there. Uh, you know, give credit to Arkansas a little bit. They they got down to a fourteen and zero hole, and, well, actually seventeen to zero hole, and and they held tight until the third quarter, yeah. and then uh, Auburn just poured it on. You know, and I'm starting to see, Shane, a lot of empty seats, obviously, in the stadium. Even the damn front row, I was seeing empty seats for an SEC game against, you know, I know Auburn's not a big rival of Arkansas, but you still got to figure fans are going to go. Not that I say, you know, I don't blame them for not going to go watch this team, but uh, the only bright side I could say for Arkansas, I thought Traylon Burks, Trey Knox, they continue to flash. Those are some legit players. Uh, CJ O'Grady, man, he's he's such a baller. Uh, they're re- mm-hmm. I think they're like he, I think you've said this before, but they're I think we're gonna look back and be like, my God, this guy was at Arkansas, and how often did they use yeah. him? You know, uh, he mm-hmm. he's a hell of a player. But man, I don't know, ugly, ugly performance. Bo Nix, he kind of got going there on the deep balls. I think that was a big thing Auburn wanted to accomplish, and I thought their ground game looked pretty good considering Booby Whitlow was out. What are your thoughts on uh, Auburn just going rough shot here on Arkansas? Well, Arkansas, I like you said, the the box score is a little deceiving because, like you said, Arkansas kind of hung in there for a minute. And there was a moment I was like, man, we're not going to get this spread, you know. But when they did open up, man, they just showed you how electric this team can be. They've got some serious weapons. Uh, I just I, – I don't know. I, I'm still – I still don't know about this quarterback situation, man. It just felt like Hicks just never was in it all day long. And is was Starkle out? I mean, was he just injured? I, I, I didn't hear that. No, and that's one thing I was going to ask you, Shane. I mean, once this thing got out of hand, I mean, we were talking about – I mean, we're talking like a 30, 40-point game in the fourth quarter. Why in the hell are you not putting K.J. Jefferson out there? Because it seems like you know what you got in Starkle. You know what you got in Hicks. Or Stephen John Jones, get, 
put someone out there to give you a spark to <laughs> something moving forward. I mean, that's what Tennessee did, exactly. and it gave them a spark. That's what Mississippi State's done is giving them a spark. It just seems like Chad Morris is completely unwilling to to mix it up. Yeah, I mean, you've got I mean, you've got four games. Has he even played any this year? I don't believe if Jefferson. Okay. I, I don't think so. I mean, you've got four games. Bring him in. Let him play this one. You know, sit him for Alabama. Sit him for LSU. But let him get some experience. What do you have to lose right now? The fans want it. Shane wants it. You know, <laughs> get him out there. Get him some playing time. Uh, this thing, when, especially when it got out of hand, they should have. I mean, he was taking snaps at the beginning of the game, like like pregame things like that. So mm-hmm. there was hope that he'd come in, but. I don't know. The only other one throwing the the football was that damn punter, and we wished he didn't do that. You know. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Shane, because uh, I mean, this tops. Uh, this is the worst fake punt since damn Kirby's SEC championship call. And for anyone that missed it, Arkansas ran a fake punt. It was a damn pass. It was weird as hell. It was fourth and eleven, and had they even converted this pass, it would have went for about negative eight yards. So. I have no idea what in the hell they were doing. They they tried to throw it to a guy who was circled by three players, and it was a damn interception. It was Auburn's second interception of the season. So bad. <laughs> Two years in a row, you sent me that one where against North Texas. <laughs> Arkansas just owns bad special teams, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, mm. let's kick it over here to Gus Malzahn, Shane, before we get to uh, sad Chad Morris here. Uh, Gus Malzahn asked about uh, the performance of his running backs without Booby Whitlow in the lineup. And on Bo Nix kind of getting it going, hitting some deep balls, and uh, he had a really nice rebound performance coming off that terrible Florida game. Yeah, moving forward, how do you feel about your running backs now that you've got, I mean, obviously just had a game, but you know, moving forward now in the next few weeks? Well, yeah, we played them all today, and that was by design. We were playing on Harold Joyner. I think you saw he's kind of got something to him, too. You know, he can fall forward, and he's a big guy. So, um, you know, it's good to have depth at that position, and you know, we'll probably do something similar you know, next week. You know, how, how big was the, that third quarter, especially from a passing standpoint, just to have some success and, and yeah. start to build on that? Well, we, we hit the one to Seth. You know, we stacked it up to the boundary, and, and, and they, they Sam popped and rolled cover one, and, and Seth got loose. He made a really good adjustment to the ball, and Bobo made a good throw. And then we had the reverse, I guess, after the, after the pick, the sudden change, and then we came right back, and Schwartz, um, you know, got the nickel, and we, we threw a, a touchdown there, and that kind of opened the game up. And that point forward, you know, we felt like we had the momentum. All right, Shane, so Gus Malzahn, I think this is exactly what they wanted to accomplish this week going into next week, looking ahead to LSU. That's going to be a hell of a matchup here. Uh, but I think they kind of they got where they needed to go on offense, and we all know about Auburn's defense. Uh, thoughts on what Malzahn had to say here? Yeah, I think that's good. And you, you like it for guys like Cam, you know? I mean, it's not too often you see a senior get an opportunity to make big impact on the game, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I was definitely rooting for Martin during this one, and, and he looked great, man. I mean, he, I mean, you, I mean, you got to take the big one out, but he still, you know, he still averaged pretty good uh, the, the remaining carries that he did get. So that's what you got to have with Auburn, man. You've got to have that running game going because if you don't, this offense does not work. We've seen it time and time again. So uh, I hope Martin's the guy, you know, I, but I do I do hope that they do mix in some youth as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's flip it over to the other side. Chad Morris asked about uh, the worst fake punt of the year. 
mm. on how long it's going to take to get this team competitive in matchups like this. And then last year, I wanted to ask you about this. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm really not trying to pile on Coach Morris here, but, you know, he was asked about improving the offense and you know, just listen to how, how much he stutters through this. It almost seems, maybe I'm reading too much into this, Shane, but it just, his response and how he's just struggling to, to search for words here makes me think that uh, he really doesn't have an answer to that question. Chad, on the fake punt, I mean, uh, what, what what happened on that? What what, what made you decide to, to run it there? And then obviously that that wasn't the result you were looking for. Yeah, not not the result we were looking for. It was something that they had showed. Um, and we've actually been working on that for a couple of weeks. Um, and, um, you know, I, I thought at the time that we needed something to maybe get us kick-started. We, we just weren't moving, weren't moving the chains and maybe needed something to give us a spark. I knew we were going to try to have to steal a possession somewhere. Um, luckily, they missed a field goal, so that didn't hurt us at that point. But uh, uh, we, just, we were looking for anything to try to keep, get, get a spark going. Just an execute. Between you guys and Auburn and just the time frame you feel like that you can get your team competitive in games like this? Well, I think that, that you, they're, very, they're very talented. Um, the thing that, uh, um, that, that is, is probably is, is more impressive with them is the depth that they have, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they've got in, you know, great speed. I think their defensive front, as I've said all week long, is as good as I've been against. Um, and then the, they're able to rotate in and keep guys fresh. So, you know, I, I just think that we got to keep developing our guys that we have. We got to continue to recruit, um, and and that's and, and we got to go back to work one day at a time. Coach Morris, with five games left, what offensively can you do to get something going? It, it seems like you said earlier, your defense settled in today, mm -hmm. but you just couldn't get any points on the board. Would it be some? Out of out of the box offensive idea, or, or what's what what can you do to get some points on the board? Well, I, I think the one thing that we've got to do is is um, you know we got to execute, um, and um, you know we we've we've got to be able to to uh, um, capitalize on the shots when we do take them, um, and 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 really there's there's I mean we've exhausted a lot. I mean we're, we're a lot of RPOs are happening right now, um, and we got to make sure that we're doing a good job of reading those RPOs right. Um, and you know, again, this is um, this is a good football team we went against this week as well too. And and we got to we just got to go back to work. And you know, we, we you know, I knew I didn't feel like we could get the ball run effectively, consistently inside. We were trying to get the ball out on the edge. Uh, that was the game plan coming in, and and we knew their speed was 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 good. Um, but uh, you know, they were they were able to to uh, to to stabilize some of the outside run game too for us. But again, we just got to go back to work and and, uh, you know, make some plays. All right, Shane, so just when you think it, you know, can't really get much worse, I mean, this is this is where we're at with Razorback football, and it's it's terrible to see, but uh, do you see what I'm kind of saying there? But uh, specifically, now keep in mind, this is Chad Morris's offense. He's got both his quarterbacks in there. I know the offensive line is basically in shambles, but they've got some great running backs. They've got some promising receivers. They may have the best tight end in the league, and they just – I know Auburn's a good defense, but, I mean, how long is this damn going to take? And it just seems like Chad Morris has got no answers. No, it felt like he was just trying not to say unacceptable. You know, maybe that was it. You ever do that, like there's a word you're not supposed to use and you just keep thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was – because what I saw was unacceptable, man. I mean, 
this team had some fight in it, and it just feels like they find ways to lose. And and when they do, I mean, they lose ugly. Arkansas doesn't lose pretty. They lose ugly. And, um, you know, there's no – I'm trying not to bury them because I, I, I think Arkansas as a program is fantastic. I love the history. I love the tradition. The fan base is phenomenal. I mean, we've got a lot of Arkansas fans, and it's just like even though they, they look god-awful, dude, they come out, man. They watch. They go to these games, and they just want to see the best out of their team, and it just feels like they're not getting their money's worth. And, and you know, sprinkle in somebody like KJ, even if he struggles, it, you know, there may be a glimmer. There may be a play, something you see that really fires you up. We, we've seen it with Tennessee. When we brought Brian in against Georgia, there was – did we win the game? No, but there was moments in that game it gave you something to look forward to, like, damn, we're not going to suck forever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it just feels like Arkansas, or Morris especially, just doesn't want to give in to that. Last thing on the Razorbacks, Shane. I'm not trying to pile on, but I just thought this was worth noting here. Uh, the Razorbacks hosted a trio of recruits from Memphis, including uh, one of their highest-rated commits a guy by the name of uh, Martavius French linebacker and these this trio also went to Tennessee two weeks ago Arkansas got these three on campus for the Auburn game Shane and then the moment he gets home decommits from Arkansas and all three of them are tweeting nothing but Tennessee stuff so my god Shane it's just I mean it's just when you think it can't get worse it does for the Razorbacks and you, you just you just wonder when this bleeding is going to stop I know, man. I feel bad because everybody's like, well, at least he can recruit, you know? And then it's like, yeah, but recruits want to go somewhere that's got a future, you know? And it's hard to uh, – again, I'm not going to bury him anymore. I've done said enough bad things about him, you know? I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. they still got some winnable games on the schedule. But I, I do think that they need to do something fun, man. they got to make Arkansas a fun place. If you're going to lose, that's fine, but – Lose going down swinging. You know what I'm saying? All right, Shane, let's jump to Athens where Georgia beat Kentucky 21-0 to in a damn monsoon. I mean, this reminded me, Shane, of like football in like 1910 when they, when they invented the forward pass. I don't know if you know this, Shane, but when they first invented the forward pass in college football, if you threw an incompletion, it was a turnover on the spot. It's almost like Kentucky and Georgia thought those were the rules of college football today because uh, neither one was really willing to throw the ball much. I give credit to Kentucky for at least they were they were willing to push the ball down the field. They just uh, you know they had a damn receiver throwing the ball. He can't he can't really get it down the field accurately. Georgia completely unwilling to let Jake Fromm throw the ball in this one further than about five yards. I mean Jake Fromm completed nine of twelve passes for thirty five yards. But uh, if you missed this one, Shane, you didn't miss a whole hell of a lot. Basically, all that happened, Kentucky shanked a punt in the third quarter. The game <laughs> the game turned on a shank putt. How often can you say that? Yeah. DeAndre Swift kind of went wild there in the second half. He finished with 179 and two touchdowns. He was the key to this game for Georgia. If DeAndre Swift is on Kentucky's team, I think uh, it's safe to say Kentucky would have won this one 21-0. I mean, that was basically the X factor in this one. And the fans weren't happy, Shane. They were kind of pissed off with this performance here from the offense, yet again from Georgia. I mean, they get, they're they getting booed at home. Um, yeah. But 
But how can you be happy, Mike? I mean, I know it's raining, but that's an advantage for offense. Your wide receivers know where they need to be. You know, it's a disadvantage for the defense. A lot of people talk about the rain and and say, well, you know, they just got to throw out the playbook and just become a one-dimensional offense. That's not true. You know, you watch the pros, which a lot Georgia has a lot of pro athletes on that team. You know what I'm saying? Right. They they had opportunity to move this ball down the field. They didn't want to. Coach did not want to give Fromm that opportunity. And and so how how much better did Georgia get? There was times in this game Kentucky really had an opportunity to to go up, man. Uh, you know, like you said, there they they could not afford to make any mistakes. Now, did they? Yes, the shank punt. The the one pass that they did throw in the end zone hit the dude right in the hands. You know you gotta these the, you cannot make mistakes like that and beat Georgia, the tenth ranked team in the nation. So Kentucky had opportunities, and, and I think the fact that Shoop was able to 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 get it that far and that close without a quarterback, man, is it just shows you how great a coach he is. But on the Georgia side, I can sense the frustration. Because we still don't have any weapons on that. We still have not discovered our playmakers on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not more confident in Fromm after this week than I was the week prior. You know, if if Georgia's going to be a, a legitimate team out of the East, potentially beat an Alabama or an Auburn or an LSU, or I, I mean, they still got to beat Florida. You know, I, I don't know if they could do that right now because Fromm – is not doing it, and uh, he and you can't. Again, you could blame the rain, you could blame the weather, whatever. You still got to take some shots. You still got to, you know, create some sort of chemistry with these wide receivers. You cannot be just one dimensional because Swift can't win every game for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was just a damn uh, ugly game, but uh, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of last week Tennessee when they were playing Mississippi State. And they just Mm -hmm. stuck to the run, stuck to the run, stuck to the run because I I think they didn't have confidence in Mississippi State's offense to beat them. I think it was a similar situation here where Georgia really, you know, really keyed in on Lynn Bowden, really shut him down for the most part. I mean, he was two of 15 passing shade. I mean, my God. But they just, I don't think they had any concern that Kentucky was really going to put up any points on them. But uh, hell, Georgia wasn't doing much either until the third quarter. So, it is, um, you know, that's from yeah. Fromm had thirty-five yards passing. You know what I'm saying? Again, I know it's a downpour, but we got to see it, man. We got to Pickens is the only receiver that caught a ball. I think you know maybe Robertson. Rob, they Robertson got, had one yard. <laughs> oh my god! You know what I'm saying? Is Pickens it? Is Pickens your only weapon? You have no tight ends now. All of a sudden. You know what I'm saying? You've got to find these weapons because Georgia's schedule is not getting easier. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some teams that they come up against, like Auburn, like Texas A&M, you know, like Florida. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Missouri. I mean, you got to. You cannot be one dimensional, or you there's a chance you could lose three of these games. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, Shane, talking about the conditions of the field and the field position being key to this one on uh, not asking Jake Fromm to do much in this one and finally on the fans booing the offense. 
Yeah, I, I think that that's a wear and tear effect. It's not, you know, you're not just going to walk out there in those conditions and, and, and just walk down the field and score on people. It's just tough. It's tough on them, tough on us, tough to get traction. It's tough. And, uh, you know, you get to watch games earlier in the day from our area and you try to figure things out. We went back and watched two or three games in the SEC last year on Wednesday, Thursday. That It really boils down to, to kicking game and who's able to flip a field. and. I mean, Jake Camarda did an incredible job of that today, and we impacted their punter a little bit. We rushed him and, and, and forced him to make some, some poor decisions and poor kicks, and that really was the, what flipped the field. And uh, when you play in those kind of games, guys, you've got to be extremely patient, patient as a defensive coach, patient as a player, patient as an offensive coordinator. You have to be patient because it's, you get frustrated very easily, and then you can magnify with mistakes. Our offense did a tremendous job tonight of protecting the ball. To play in those conditions and not put the ball on the ground and, or not lose a turnover was big for us. No, he never said that. No, Jake, Jake had 100% confidence that, uh, that he could throw the ball. He wanted to. I mean, he wanted to. We were able to. Sometimes we were trying to make sure we did it when we had a fresh ball, make sure we, had, we did it when we had a fresh set of downs, make sure you, you, you take calculated uh, opportunities to do that. Um, it's just tough. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> there's, there's some tough things that have to happen to be able to throw the ball in those conditions. Number one, you got to protect. Number two, you got to be able to throw and catch it, uh, and you got to be able to protect the the, uh, the ball once you get it. And we're handing it to a guy is a hell of a lot easier in those conditions. And uh, like I said, it takes patience. So Jake was Jake was never really rattled or frustrated by anything. Jake's got a calm demeanor about him. At halftime, he was in a good place, and uh, he kept leading our team and our offense. Kirby, on the on the topic of patience, there were. A significant people, number of people in the stands expressing dis, uh, impatience, uh, especially at the end of the half. What, what's the effect of that? No effect for me. I got headphones on. So, I mean, we're, 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 we're trying to make the best decision that gives us the best chance. I mean, you know, fans, that's what they pay their money for, to give their opinion, and they're, they're entitled to that. I, I, I respect that. But at the end of the day, our job is to put our kids in the most successful situations and allow them – to be successful, you know what I mean? I don't think you make decisions in, based on that. Because if you do, you'll never, uh, you'll never look back. You gotta make decisions based on patience, the weather, the field position, and all those decisions that were involved in that were calculated. You know, one thing that uh, I thought was particularly interesting from his comments here, Shane, and not to say that he's wrong, I think he's, he is right, but it seems like he's a little bit making it an excuse where he's talking about the conditions and how difficult it was to generate much. We're going to hear from Mark Stoops in a minute, but Coach Stoops did not cite any of that, and he's got a damn receiver as a quarterback. So uh, what are your thoughts on what Kirby had to say? And it just seemed like it doesn't seem like Georgia's got a lot of answers on offense here. I, I hmm. you know, I'm, I'm trying – to I don't know why, man. My my blood pressure is always up, Mike. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> and this this Saturday, it was just like you said. Just when you thought you had something figured out, it comes out, and you you really don't. I mean, for for him to say that it's hard to get offense going because of the weather, just and and then you watched a game earlier against Florida and South Carolina with very similar situation with conditions and they've got almost 700 yards of offense combined, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for me to say, 
you know what? Kirby's right, you know? No, he's not. I'm telling you, man, you can move the ball. You can move the ball through the air. In fact, you should have a slight advantage when you have conditions like this. And it felt to me like Kirby was afraid to give Fromm the chance to do that. He didn't want to lose this game on Fromm's arm. Now, I may be reading into that. He may have just said, you know what? We're good with running. But, I mean, what did you learn? How did you develop any of your young talent this week? It just it felt like a wasted scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Now let's kick it over to Mark Stoops, who talked about the fact that Sawyer Smith not given an opportunity in this game, still not ready to see the field apparently. And on his team, Shane, this is a team that could have given up a while ago. But uh, Mark Stoops and his group, they, they still got their guys fighting going up against a team that uh, you know physically overmatched them, but I don't think you could tell for most most of the game here. Mark, your defense was so good. You got down, though, finally. Did you consider putting Sawyer in? Was he not available? Well, it was tough. I mean, it, you know, listen, it's, it's difficult for me to continue to answer questions on this with y'all. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to withhold information. You know me, I'm very upfront. I'm trying to be as honest as I can. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's close, it, you know, it's tough on a cold, rainy, miserable night uh, to put him in and uh, when he's uh, just barely getting close to being ready to play. And, um, you know, he's, he, he, he would go, you, you saw him go, you saw him go in the South Carolina go game, he would, he would play if his arm was falling off. But uh, I can't do that to him again. Um, it was a tough night, we knew it was going to be a tough grind. And, uh, so we, we did what we did. We, we, we gave ourselves the best option we, we felt like we had at some point. You got your, own, your third option at quarterback. You're playing the top 10 team on the road, but yet you still had a chance to win. What does it say about your guys to be in the... Well, you know, I'm very proud of my players. And um, not because we, we play hard and come close. You know that. You know our program's well beyond. Um, you know, just wanting to play somebody close. We, we play to win each and every week, but it's about their preparation, their attitude, and the things that we're doing. And, and uh, you know, I, I've been pleased. It's been a tough season, and, uh, but look around our league, as you guys do, and, and you know, you know, a lot of people aren't tuned in uh, to, to the other 13 teams in our league, but take a look around. Stuff's difficult, you know, just, just, uh, We'd like to have a camera and some of our head coaches uh, pre-game talks there beforehand when we're talking to each other. It's a, we, we have a tendency to console each other for about a minute. And it's, uh, it's tough. It's a grind. But it is what it is. So I'm pleased with our team's mentality. I think we're getting better. As I mentioned, that the defense, we are growing offensively. We're down to some options. But the guys are playing hard. Our attitude's right. Uh, you know, coming in here, uh, you know, different, different, different beast, you know. It's a, it's a tough group, and uh, they are very, very talented. And uh, you knew that you would have their full attention after last week. This team will be a top five team again by the end of the year. All right, Shane, so Sawyer Smith, I guess, is just still not, just not ready there, not there to get back on the field. Obviously, Kentucky really needs him to be able to push that ball down the field. But uh, I thought his uh, comments here on, on the fact that his team continues to fight despite the odds against them, despite the fact they're down about, you know, really if you want to talk transfers, they're down about five quarterbacks this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But but there is no, there's no give up in this Wildcat team. 
No, there really isn't. And, you know, the box score, you see 21-0, and you think, ah, Georgia had this one. But I'm telling you, there were moments in this game Kentucky had an opportunity, and, and they just had to play perfect ball. And you can't blame the players. I mean, every single time, especially Bowden, man. I mean, it felt like Bowden put this on his back, and he did everything he could to get the victory. But they just they didn't they didn't play flawless ball, man. It came down to a punt. It came down to a turnover, and uh, it just dropped passes. And and even though there wasn't that many, the ones that they did have, these guys had to be perfect, and they just weren't Saturday. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Starkville where LSU went into town, took care of business. Shane, this was a very impressive performance by the Tigers. Win 36-13 to on the road with the cowbells a-clanging. <laughs> LSU got off to, I don't know if you want to call it a slow start, but their drives kept stalling. They jumped out to a 9-0 to lead. I thought Mississippi State actually, you know, that this is probably the best game they played all season. And that's saying something because I thought, you know, I don't think LSU had a bad day. I know their their coaches, their players kind of said that after the game, but I think it was more Mississippi State just giving them their all, and they really made LSU work for it. The dam really didn't break open for the Tigers till late in the second quarter and into the third quarter, and they, they really got the separation they needed. Uh, but how, mm-hmm. how about this one, Shane? Joe Burrow, it only took him seven games. He scored more touchdowns than any LSU player in a single season has ever done. That's incredible, and uh, I thought that really the the defining moment, I guess you want to call it, there was two in my mind, uh, the Racy McMath touchdown, that really broke this game open. It was, it was basically the first time Mississippi State had a bust, and Joe Burrow hit him for about a 50-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one bust, they identify it, and they and they score. I mean, that you cannot let up against LSU. And then uh, I always hated this play <laughs> on the old NCAA video game, Shane, where you know, you're throwing it over the middle of the defense and the damn linebacker just jumps eight feet in the air and one hand grabs it. <laughs> well, I always say that's fucking unrealistic. Well, J- Jacoby Stevens did it in this one. I know he's not a linebacker, but that's what exactly what it looked like. The best. Middle of the field. They, he just he just LeBroned it up there, didn't he? The the best catch of the day, man. It was just – and this was, this was a tough football game too, man. Mississippi State was really in it there for, for the longest time. And uh, similar to Kentucky, you know, just had to play a flawless game. And mm-hmm. and when they made those mistakes, you know, Schrader, I mean, Schrader had two picks uh, that just felt like he'll never again, two weeks in a row, not able to get going. And, uh, you know, Schrader should not be leading this team in rushing. You know, this is – they need to be a balanced – especially against teams like uh, LSU where, man, they just they just pinned their ears back and they were all over him. So it was a, it was a heck of a game. And uh, I, I think, honestly, Coach would love to have this one back, do a few things different because uh, there were some momentum swings in this game. And, but once LSU got the upper hand, they never looked back. Yeah, and Mississippi State also had 13 penalties, 109 yards on those penalties. You just can't do that against a team of this caliber and and pull off the upset. Like you said, mm-hmm. they got to have a flawless game, and they were far from flawless. But the effort was there. Sometimes the execution just wasn't. Uh, let's kick it over here, Shane, to Coach O, who was actually not very happy with his team's performance, and then – uh, the ass seen around the world here, Shane. <laughs> Joe Burrow on his damn pants getting stripped off him here against Mississippi State. 
I'll tell you, uh, we're seven and zero, and I, I don't think I think our team's a little upset about the way we played. I know our coaching staff is. I'm happy. Uh, I know I won't be as happy when I watch the film. There'll be some things to get done, but it's good for our football team. It'll get us hungry for next week. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say that has never happened before in my life. I don't hope it doesn't happen again. You were pulling it off like midway through the as you were on your way. Oh uh, yeah. Down. I mean, what's going through your mind? Is that? I mean, I felt it coming out. I felt it. Um, I heard there's supposed to be a full moon tonight here in Starkville, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, my grandparents were here for that one. Awesome. <laughs> All right, Shane, I don't know about you, but, I mean, I thought this was hilarious at the time, and then my damn Twitter was nothing but this dude's ass for about two hours. I was, <laughs> unfortunately, you can't block images. You can only block words here, but uh, at least Joe Burrow had a funny comment about it here. Oh, yeah, man. Joe, I tell you, dude, I mean, he, he breaks the record, and they're only seven games in, man. You know what I'm saying? Dude, he is on fire, and uh, I bet Ohio State's kicking their stuff for letting this one get away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because uh, Joe's, Ohio kid, you know what? He's just, man, he's just cool as a cucumber back there. This is a, you know, I honestly, I think, man, I hate to say it, but he's probably my favorite quarterback. Like, if I'm drafting, if I'm an NFL team, mm-hmm. give me Burrow right now. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously doing it on the field. He seems like he's brought swagger and confidence to this entire team. And I think the way he's playing, I know there's other candidates around the nation, but I don't think there's any way he doesn't win the Heisman. I, I think it, come, no. it comes down to that Alabama game, obviously. But if they find a way, I mean, you might as well just give him the damn trophy after that one. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, let's kick it over here, Shane. Last thing on this game, because I thought, uh, you know, I just thought this was kind of eye-opening after the game. Joe Moorhead, this is just his opening presser. And for those that have don't watch Joe Moorhead pressers, uh, and there's probably a lot of you, uh, this guy, basically what he usually does, he comes out and he reads a damn statement, and, and he, there's no energy, there's no passion. He's basically just telling you what happened. Then he, you know, he's, a, he's an insightful, thoughtful guy. He opens up once the questions come, but this was a complete opposite. None of that. He, he must have had notes he threw away in the damn trash. He came out here heated. He got really passionate in his opening. And uh, I, I want to ask you about something on the back end here, Shane. All right, the biggest thing with this football team that we stressed all right, this week, last night at the hotel, and this morning is that we were going to freaking fight. All right, no matter what the circumstance was, all right, we were, going to, we were going to continue to punch and continue to scratch and continue to claw and get up off the mat. And no matter what the clock said, the clock said and what the score said, we were going to keep, keep plugging away and keep fighting. Okay. And I thought our kids did that. that. That was a different football team than I saw on the field against Tennessee. And that was stressed that we were going to play with emotion, we were going to play with pride, and we were going to play with intelligence. The intelligence part maybe we didn't get. All right? What games come down to, all right, particularly when the margin of error is, is, is invisible, it's going to come down to turnover margin, which we lost. You can't turn the ball over three times against this team and expect to win. Explosive play margin. We created a good number on, on, on offense, probably gave up a few, few too many on defense. All right, then it's going to come to third down conversion percentage in red zone. All right? And certainly those 13 penalties, you know, some of the pre-snap things where they're making a move call and we're, we're jumping there. That's stuff that, that it's not maybe at the front end of it, but it's stuff that's going to not help and, and get you beat against a team like this, okay? I'm certainly not excited about the outcome. 
Okay, that's the number two team in the country. But when you look at it in spurts and see when we were playing well and we were executing and doing the things we needed to do, we stopped them, we moved the ball, and we were making plays. All right, when you're doing things you're not supposed to do, then we weren't making plays. All right, it's going to come down to how well we prepared during the week and our belief and commitment in our culture and doing the little things and building this program the way it needs to be built. I know people sometimes don't want to hear it and they, don't want, they want the answer now. All right, Coach O's in four or five years, I promise you this, the things that we are building with this program, true freshman quarterback, all right, true freshman running back, Nathan Pickering, all right, Mo Smitherman out, two true freshman corners in the game. You look at all the youth that we have and the things that we're doing, and once again, not a moral victory at all. I, I get that part. But the process of what we're doing and where we're taking this team, all right, is going in the right damn direction. All right, and we played our asses off today, and we fought. Was it, was it clean? Was it precise? Was it what needed to be against this team? Absolutely not. But I know this. When I'm in that locker room and I look at that team and I saw how we fought, we're going to build off of this one. We're going to take the good things, we're going to correct the bad things, and we're going to be a football team that continues to fight the rest of the year. All right, and we're going to get ready to roll tomorrow. We're going to make the corrections, and we're going to get rolling for, for Texas A&M. All right, Shane. So this is kind of the passion we've been missing. We, we I think we saw this last year in the Egg Bowl when Joe Moorhead yeah. kind of, you know, there was that, that brouhaha there with Ole Miss. But my thing, because obviously I thought uh, he, he would really challenge his team. I thought they would come out and make a better game of this. They had the effort. Like I said, they didn't have the execution, too many mistakes to, to keep this a close game. But I think he's really fired up for the fact that his team did come out, showed up like they did, obviously not happy with the execution. But I also think there's some of this, Shane, where, you know, if anyone missed it, he this guy was on Paul Feinbaub's show on Friday because the, the, the SEC Network was down there for this game, asked, you know, several times about this Rutgers job. He didn't really deny it. I don't think he really knows what to say because uh, obviously some people there at Mississippi State not happy with him. He's from uh, the Northeast, whatever. I, we've we both on the record that if he goes to Rutgers, say that's a damn, that's a stupid decision if you want to rate the jobs. But uh, I, I think his reaction here a little bit came from the fact that uh, you know people are unhappy with him and the fact there's these damn rumors out here that uh, he may be interested in Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, Coach is an emotional dude, man. And uh, like you said, usually these pre- like usually we don't even play him because he whispers, and we can't <laughs> we can't include it because the volume's different. But man, Coach is fired up, man. There was a lot of heart, man. There was a lot of heart with Mississippi State. There was a lot of heart with a lot of the teams this week: uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. You know, these some of these guys. You know, when we went into this week, some some really large spreads. For these games and it felt like the uh, unfortunately other than Arkansas that <laughs> most of these teams really did you know make them ball games at some point even Arkansas you know got in there with, within two scores for a long time with Auburn so it just it felt like there was a lot of fight Saturday with some of these these less dominant teams in the SEC and as you hear coaches like this, you hear coaches like Mason yelling. That's what you want to hear, man. You know, I I don't like if you're going to lose, that's one thing. But if you're losing and your coach comes out talking like this, you know that he gave everything he had. You know these players did too. And they just they fell short to a superior team. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia, South Carolina, where Florida really put this one away in the fourth quarter in particular – Beats the Gamecocks 38-27. to This was a back-and-forth game, Shane. South Carolina actually had the lead going into the fourth quarter, yeah. and it took a late score just to make this look respectable. I mean, Florida 
just dominant in the fourth quarter. Got to give this team a lot of credit. Scored 21 points in the fourth quarter on the road. That's that's truly impressive. Uh, Halinski hit the deep ball on the uh, you know right out of the gate here, and then he damn didn't hit a, another one all day. They kept they kept trying to dial him up. He couldn't hit him. I thought South Carolina's running game continues to impress. I mean, they kind of had their way with Florida. 200 yards, 217 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. That's pretty good considering what we know about Florida's defense. Kyle Trask came out looking real shaky, but then he came on late. And uh, how about that uh, 50-yard holding, Shane? I, this is the first time in my um, life no. I've never seen uh, I've, I've ever seen someone get held for 50 damn yards. <laughs> So I'm telling you, dude, South Carolina got screwed. And and I know that pisses a lot of Florida people off. They're like, oh, my God, no, he didn't. But just reverse it for a second. Let's just say that was South Carolina running down, and you watched him all the way down the field hold his jersey. You know what I'm saying? Or you watched that offensive pass interference there at the end zone. I mean, you, I mean the guy wasn't even, like, attempting to run around. He was just straight blocking and – yeah, man, South Carolina got screwed there at the end, and Florida would be saying the same exact damn thing if it happened to them. This was another game where the officials made it about them and not the team. Mm-hmm. And Will Muschamp also flagged for unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that well, it, in a second, but that was uh, that was that was classic, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, the biggest blow to this game, man, was Dowdle. Because mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, I love Feaster, don't get me wrong, but he is not the best running back on this team. And I think, honestly, if, if Dowd was in there, I think this could have been even, I don't know, I, and nothing against Denson, but there were some there were some plays, there were some opportunities. I felt like Feaster what, wasn't the right running back for this situation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think they really need both of them to really – maximize you know their running game but let's mm-hmm. let's give Feaster some credit he had 175 and a touchdown I mean that's a oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a hell of a game but I see what you're saying there's times when they needed to really they needed the big powerful back they didn't have yeah. him uh his status up in the air moving forward that's unfortunate he's been kind of banged up and I'm starting to get concerned about Helinski uh, I still think he's got a hell of a future, but I th- obviously I just think he's banged up. I mean, his uh, his accuracy and precision just doesn't seem to be there week in and week out. Every, you know, we're going on a damn month of this now, so they really need to figure out what's wrong with him. I know they don't have a lot of options. You know, I, there, there's no one else really besides Joyner, who's half his mm-hmm. damn times at receiver. So they need Helinski <laughs> in there. But uh, and let's flip it over to uh, the Gators here, Shane. I mean, they're. I know at times it's been unimpressive. Sometimes we're scratching our head wondering how in the hell they win in these games. But they're in a position now where I think they're probably the favorites in the East. They got a bye week coming up. Then they get Georgia in Jacksonville. They win that one. This is the team that's going to represent the SEC East in uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And I'm telling you, Trash didn't play a great game. I mean, you look at it, he got four touchdowns, yes, but he he was not – he wasn't himself, and a lot of that probably had to do a little bit with the weather. But you know, here we just talked about Fromm down there, thirty-five yards passing, and Trask up here. You know, I think he had twelve incompletions. That was it. You know, the guy was—I mean—he's playing some—he's playing some damn good football. And I think out of the quarterbacks in the East, something you've talked about and something I'm starting to agree with. He's—I think he's the best quarterback in the East right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's kick it over to Dan Mullenshade on his team. Uh, having everything to play for entering November. This is uh, this was the game plan going into the season, and it's come to fruition here for the Gators. Feels great. Love it. You know, this is, uh, you know, you, you drew it up and said, you know, this is, is you want to be in November. You know, we're going to head into November, right? I think next game's in November, if I looked at my calendar right. So you're heading into November in control of your own destiny and what's going to happen, and that's where, where we want to be. That's where we expect to be at, at Florida. So um, we got a bye week, chance to hopefully hopefully get some guys healthy. You know what I mean? I I mean, it's it's great credit to the guys that have our, our team, the guys next guy up of, to get us in this position with all all the injuries we've had to deal with this year. Uh, but hopefully we get healthy moving forward, and, you know, we got a got a big break and uh, got a big three-game stretch after the bye to uh, try to win the SEC East. All right, Shane, so we're looking for a November to remember here in Gainesville. <laughs> I mean, based on the way everything's going, wouldn't you favor the Gators to win the SEC East at this point? I don't know, man. You can't count Georgia out. I know they looked bad last week, but that's that's a different type of ball game. Georgia's got plenty of talent, and, uh, I mean, we're, we are fortunate enough that that's going to be the next game both these teams have. So, but after that, man, you're right. They've it's it's smooth sailing after that. Let's flip it. Let's uh, kick it over to Will Muschamp Shane on this damn gutless penalty, as he calls it, mm. on putting his guys in a better position to be successful, and finally on uh, the status of Ryan Holinsky, who uh, you know he claims he's good to go. Do you know why you got the unsportsmanlike? No, I don't. I got the guy ran forty yards away and dropped a flag. I have no idea. What is your... I'd rather him drop it on my feet. Did you say anything? Yeah. No, prior to the flag? No, no, yeah. Something that you think warranted an unsportsmanlike? I, it's not my judge. Drop it on my feet next time. So clearly you were unhappy about the totality I'm of the I'm not going to comment about anything else. Don't go 40 yards away and drop a flag. How about that? Goes. You said you opened with you as coaches. You need to do a better job of putting your guys in position. How do you feel like you could have done that today? Well, just, whether it's in the throwing game offensively, obviously, and some critical you know downs defensively when they were made some conversions. You know, the critical fourth down, we, we're in position. We got to do coach the guy better. I don't know. We got to figure that out. But we're in position to make a play, and we don't make the play. They make the play. Um, you know, those sort of situations. Was Ryan healthy? Did you feel like? Yeah, and we he, would not have played him if he wasn't healthy. He hadn't been cleared by our medical staff. He looked so sharp accuracy-wise the first couple of games, and that, that seems to have left him a little bit. Is that your read of the situation, and is there any explanation? No, I think there's more than that. I don't think it's just on Ryan. It's not all his fault. We had dropped balls today that we should have been caught. We had some breakdowns in protection that we've got to do a better job of protecting and keeping the quarterback upright. So, I mean, I, no, I don't think it's all on Ryan. All right, Shane, Will Muschamp is just the gift that just keeps on giving for this podcast. But, uh, I mean, this is the, this was the damn clip of the weekend, wasn't it? Golly, is there just one reporter in there? Sound like Larry – is that Larry King? Is he just asking all the questions? <laughs> Boy, he was getting deep right there in uh, Muschamp's lap. So, um, no, I, I'm with him, man. If you're going to do it, do it to my face. Don't do it 40 yards down the field. So, Oh, man, coach was fired up. And, and you saw how fired up he was? That was me after that Alabama game, man. I was breaking <laughs> clipboards and running outside. I was upset myself. So, um, And he has right to be. There was a lot of bad plays, but 
there was a lot of there was a lot of opportunity in this game. South Carolina could have put this thing away. I am worried a little bit about Holinsky because he is not himself. And uh, you know, you, I I mean, I guess if I'm not going to blame the weather. I, I mean, because I haven't seen it since he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like he hasn't found his found his way back to the you know the fold here. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Final game here. Texas A&M travels to Oxford, beats Ole Miss twenty four seventeen. This was a wacky game, mm-hmm. Shane. This was uh this was like a damn drunk ass Saturday night ball game. I don't know what in the hell happened here. At times, it's cursed, Mike. It's a curse. <laughs> oh, no. That's my lock of the week. What do you think? There's gonna be some bad balls bouncing here. That's that's exactly what it was. Because Ole Miss defense, they played well enough to get this W. Feel bad for that unit. They they played their hearts out in this one. I give Texas A&M some credit, but Ole Miss time and time again failed to capitalize on on this game. They really should have had this one. John Rice Plumley. He missed too many deep shots. He had that moment of hero ball, I like to call. He tried to do too much, ended up in mm-hmm. a scoop and score. That was the defining moment of the game, and, hell, that was the margin of victory for Texas A&M. That was key. There was terrible kicking in this game. They both missed field goals they shouldn't have missed. Uh, credit Kellen Mon. He put the team on his back. He didn't have his best day through two interceptions, but a lot of design runs. Uh, he he was damn near the leader in rushing and passing here for the Aggies. So this was a weird one, but at the end of the day, you go on the road and get the win. If you're Texas A&M, you got nothing to apologize about. This is something that uh, the the Aggies continue to not really impress. But as long as they're beating these damn teams like Ole Miss, Arkansas, and all this, it's not a disaster. They need to get better because the schedule is going to get tougher here just as they move down the list. But uh, hell, a, a win's better than a loss here, I guess. Oh man, this one, this one was just like you said, just extremely frustrating, especially if you had money on it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Because there was that that brief moment. It felt like this was Ole Miss's game. Right. You know, I, when they when they fumbled, they were about to score. I mean, it felt like they were about to score. At least put some points on the board, and maybe go up 21 10, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, this thing is just flip back around and they're playing from behind and then a couple of series later i think he threw a pick and it just felt like man they just couldn't they just couldn't close out this game they hung in there best they could but you know you look at the at the end and you say well texas a&m they they beat old miss that's what's supposed to happen i'll tell you what it felt to me like old miss beat themselves yeah i think what we had here shane a case of two young teams one of them is kind of figuring out the ways to win these close games and the other team is just not there yet and and, Mm -hmm. you know it's surprising that it's the team at home that can't do it but it's the team coming in with the championship coach I think that's that was the difference here and that's something Jimbo Fisher hit on in his postgame presser on the fact that the Aggies continue to win despite not having their best day and on his young team not giving up when things get tough. They're starting to learn to win on the road, kind of like they did last year. So if I'm an Aggie fan, Shane, I'm, you know, I'm not too fired up about this, but I see the progress in Jimbo mm-hmm. Fisher's program. And then go down. This game had a little bit of everything in it. I mean, both sides were back and forth. But you know, you got to learn to win on your bad days. When you're not playing your best, you got to learn to find a way to come on top. And I give our kids credit for that—the perseverance to to make the plays when they had to make them and and uh, do that. Because I mean, it beats the alternative. I say that for sure. You seem almost 
strange to you to go into the half with the lead after the way the first half had gone? Nothing in football is strange to me anymore. <laughs> you, you, it's like you, a story you hear, is there anything that surprises you? Not and anymore in football, it doesn't mean either. And that's just the way games are. The inconsistencies that happen in the two. That's why I say playing well and scoring is two different things. You know what I mean? And that's what you got to keep. Remember, look at that scoreboard. Don't get frustrated. Play the next play. Play the situations. And we did that. And that's three straight weeks we scored in two minutes before the half. So those things are getting better. And that was a big. That was a big job. We talked about this three-game stretch a little bit. What is? Uh, how important was this win? Oh. Full eligibility to just knocking out. That well, just your next goals of learning to go on the road and overcome. Not just bowl eligibility, you guys, that's your goals, your first goal winning season, goal bowl eligibility and all the things you have. But at the same time, learning to go on the road and persevere when it's not in your environment, it's not in, you know, everybody here is not yelling for you. It's, it's easy to lay down like that. And our kids will not do that. They won't do that now. They're going to play and we won't play hard. We don't always play well. But, and we got, and that's part of us too. I'm not saying them, that's, we got to coach them. That, that's our responsibility to get them in that situation to do that. But, but it was big to go on the road, get that win. Now we got to go home, we got to play better and play against Mississippi State. All right, Shane, so Jimbo knows at the end of the day all that really matters. You win, you lose. They got this one. Uh, mm -hmm. how, how are you feeling about this one if you're an Aggie fan? I'm feeling good, man. Um, you know, especially like Plumtree, you know. Bottling him up is not an easy feat. It's a feat that somebody, even Bama, couldn't do, and it was something you were able to do. Uh, Texas A&M – had a bend but not break approach on defense so i really feel good about my defense uh you know compared to that auburn game you know what i'm saying it just felt like they're really after this team there was a lot of pressure a lot of tackles for loss in this game so um as far as the offense our running backs coming around you know we're, we're starting to slowly but surely not be so one-dimensional uh, it wasn't the greatest game, you know, but the fact Spiller was able, able to get 78 yards rushing, it just it felt like it wasn't all on Mon's shoulders. And, and that's what you got to have, man. Balanced team on offense. That's Jimbo, man. Balanced offense and aggressive defense. And Texas A&M can win a lot of ball games this year. All right, Shane, that's all I got around the league. And this is a little bit of a long one, so instead of playing the guess the lines, I'm just going to tell you the damn lines. <laughs> but right before we jump off here, these are the opening lines here on Sunday. For Week 9, Mississippi State at Texas A&M. The Aggies favored by 9. Auburn at LSU. LSU favored by 12 and a half. That's pretty interesting. South Carolina at Tennessee. Gamecocks favored by 4 and a half. Arkansas mm. at Alabama. Alabama favored by 35. And then last, Missouri at Kentucky. Missouri favored by 11. Any of those stun you or anything, Shane? Yeah, I'm surprised they're even going to let South Carolina and Tennessee play this week. You know, that officiating crew is going to be – you know what I'm saying? What are they, over over under 25 penalties? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just rambling now. <laughs> I'm just – I'm upset, Mike. It's late. You're right. We need to go to bed. So – I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, we are going to get to the ratings reviews, I swear, at some point this week. I really do appreciate it. I'm, I'm noticing some koozie picks. That's awesome. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if you got an iPhone or if your buddy's got an iPhone or if you can steal an iPhone but not really steal it and go to – we don't want anybody getting in trouble. But, you know, <laughs> if you could get on there and give us a five-star rating, that really does help us out. All right, Shane. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. You got screwed, Mike.
Martavius French linebacker, and these this trio also went to Tennessee two weeks ago. There was a lot of buzz that uh, you know they're all trending to the Volunteers. Fuck. Uh oh, Morse is at your house. <laughs> <laughs>